Welcome to episode 401 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. We're back on that Apple Podcast app in full effect. Catch us on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere you listen. It's a podcast. If you'd like to become a Combo's Court Patreon, which is the best way to support this podcast, check out the link in the show notes. Appreciate you all. Appreciate everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Today's show, former professional wrestler for ECW, WCW, and the WWE, Stevie Richards joins in to talk his wrestling career, fitness, content creation on YouTube, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Stevie. Check out Stevie's YouTube channel, which is named Stevie Richards. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling, man? I feel great, man. I, every day I can wake up and get some exercise in and be awake and alive. It's always a good day. How are you? I am doing well. That's a big fact, Stevie. I had a great workout this morning, um, working on the podcast. All is well, Stevie. All is well. But uh, I wanted to start with this. Obviously, you wrestled on all the major platforms. But when I was a kid, I was obviously interested in uh, WWF and WCW, but ECW really caught my attention when I was a kid. It was very innovative. It was cutting edge. You're a Philadelphia guy. You got to wrestle and see that explode in Philadelphia. How was that for you wrestling there and inside the locker room? Well, I got to start with the locker room. It was terrifying because I was like a 22, 23 year old kid around men with, you know, legitimate fighting backgrounds or coming up from the streets. And then, you know, people that were actually, very talented uh, veteran professional wrestlers that used to come through in between, you know, going from WCW to WWF and the other way around. Uh, so that part, you know, kept you in check and it kept you honest. And also it motivated you to be as good as the guys that were always in the locker room. You always strive to be, to be better. Uh, but in the ring and what we we've talked about this before on shows that I've done uh, with, you know, Russo and Ben Hameen and people like, I do weekly shows with um, mm. if I was ever aware that what we were doing would stand the test of time and be, you know, like that thing right back there, those Daisy Dukes <laughs> and all that stuff. If it would, if it would ever, you know, be the stuff of urban legends, like fathers and mothers explaining to their children that weren't even alive during ECW, like you have to watch what mom and dad grew up watching or your grandfather or grandmother at this point watched. Um, we didn't, we were just a bunch of people that wanted to work hard and have fun. And we were given the freedom by Paul Heyman to succeed or fail live in front of an audience and live to tape uh, for television. So it was, it was very, very uh, high pressure, but also high adrenaline and very exciting. Paul seemed like such a wild character on the camera. 
was he the same off the camera in the locker room? At different levels. I think Paul's biggest strength, besides the fact that he was enough of a genius to let everybody go out there and do their own thing and become their own character, he could also do your character better than you. So when I was stuck on trying to figure out how to do Stevie Richards with Raven and interact back and forth, he would literally be able to tell me, like, be Raven and then say, you can do this and that. And he, he wouldn't tell me, like, it wasn't scripted. Nothing was scripted. Absolutely nothing. We had an idea or two bullet points, maybe one bullet point. Even in a match that lasted 25, 30 minutes, we would just have the finish. And that sounds crazy right now, but but Paul would also be able to produce a young talent like myself that didn't even have an identity in life, much less the ring yet. So that was his strength, really. I mean, he everybody in wrestling is crazy. And I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I mean, I have an idea. It, it, actually, you do seem pretty normal. So it's amazing to see you go through a wrestling career, keep your wits, stay somewhere. I mean, normal is a relative word, but, you know, keep your wits, stay in shape. Obviously, you put out fitness content now. So to go through your career and see where you are is pretty amazing, right? Especially how crazy wrestling is. Well, you, you have a background in, in basketball and everything. So you you had it not not easier in a way, but there is an amount of luck networking and yeah. somebody just kind of subjectively liking like i could have came across promoters and all the companies that i worked in where they passed on me because they just didn't prefer my look they didn't prefer my wrestling style they thought it was too green they thought sometimes in tna i was too old there's all these different factors like comparing it to something like basketball there's always going to be a a talent degradation over time as we all get older father right. time defeated but you can always talent in that regard can always usurp a coach's opinion or a gm's opinion or those times wrestling is a little bit tougher because if somebody says like okay well we just don't think he's a star they'll never put you on tv and you never have the opportunity on the flip side i was always very blessed and i'm still grateful that there was always somebody in power that thought he's at least going to make a really good utility player. And we're going to plug him into this. Also with the fact that you've probably done this in your career, I'm always willing to do this stuff. No one else was willing to do said that thing right back there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 Nobody's going to really volunteer to wear that nor in ECW, especially where there's legitimate tough guys, legitimate badasses, people that are very, very serious with the way they take their characters Taz, for example, protected his character, and he should have. Raven always pointed out to me, if you act the exact opposite and you do all these things, I guarantee you you're going to be maybe the biggest heel in the company because people want to see you get beat up. And then Nate Pauly keeps putting you over and keeps it like basically what Raven, he would always say in every tag match we had, I would get the pin because he understood as a businessman that got the most amount of heat. Of course, if Raven pinned, it's like Raven's a legitimate badass. But right, if Steve right. Richards wins the tag titles or defends them or gets the pinfall on Public Enemy or the Pitbulls or whoever, it's like, my God, that sucks. That guy doesn't even deserve to be champion. And that's kind of the way it always intermixed together, Andrew, where I always got the opportunities because I got a reputation after years and years and years that 
I'm willing to do what other people wouldn't do. So I was always very employable at the same time. Yeah. You, we talked about Paul briefly. How is it different working with Vince, Eric, and Paul? How are they the same and how are they different? Well, Paul gave me the most amount of access. And obviously that, that was really indispensable. Uh, working for Bischoff, I wasn't there that long. Unfortunately, I wish I was there longer because I'm I'm still hearing through his show and other people that, that listen to it that Eric had seen something in me. So, you know, there's always a regret of not, you know, not seeing that through to see what Eric could have done with me with the Turner brand behind me. Um, with Vince, outside of the right to censor and other things, there was really not much one-on-one type stuff mm. at that level too with Vince and how busy he was with everything we're talking about. I've, I was employed through like the WWF New York, uh, the XFL uh, almost twice. Uh, mm. and all the other things, Hollywood films, he had a lot on its plate. X- XFL to play football. No, I'm saying he had those things. Oh, uh, got you. I thought he was. No, I thought he's reaching out to you for that. No, I try. I, I just Snitsky and I was actually going. I was going to try out because I was a field goal <laughs> in high school. We were going to try okay. out the NFL in the second iteration, but at that level and with those many things, usually the interactions with Vince were always when it was something he didn't want. So when Vince mm. didn't give feedback, it meant you're doing your. I, I don't have to bother you because you're doing what you're supposed to do. So it took me until after I left the company to realize that after almost 10 years, that it was mad. Like, like I said, we're all crazy. So talk to me about kayfabe and was it important for you during your career to keep it? Yes, absolutely. And I think I, I believe I shouldn't even say, I think I believe that's still the mystique today. Cause yeah, you probably didn't even know what you were going to get when we were getting online with this to be, a, somewhat of a normal conversation, but the urban legend of ECW is also because social media wasn't so prevalent. There was still kayfabe to a large mm-hmm. degree. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give two different characters that still, I think to this day carry that mystique and that's uh savage and the ultimate warrior. People still are like, mm-hmm. okay, well maybe they were, they were like volume turned up type characters on their real personalities but if they were going on social media and breaking kayfabe or talking about like today they talk about like yeah i talked to hunter about turning hill and we decided it was a good idea i'm like what right like, right 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 haven't turned hill yet so that's like they're not they're not they're not cherishing the moments kayfabe doesn't have to be a us against the fans type thing like it really used to be back in the day I was in an interesting era, Andrew, because I was like right at the tail end where kayfabe, almost separate locker rooms, you got beat up to earn your place just to learn how to wrestle. That's how you got broken in and all these other different tests on different levels. And every time you went to a new locker room, I was a new guy. I was treated like a greenhorn, no matter how many years I had with, you know, ECW, obviously is where I started WCW. WWE definitely there was a there was a not a hazing process but there was an initiation process to make sure you were going to last with the company then even TNA kind of like trying to feel your way through there Ring of Honor all these other places and then when kayfabe started to die um which it was 
you know, you you would say it was dead when they went in front of Congress and Vince said it was sports entertainment, but we didn't need to give it all away as we do today. That's just my personal belief, because I believe if people really, like you just said, like, oh, BWO, I remember that moment. Now, if you remembered that moment of the BWO or whatever I did, or even write the censor, but then I got on Twitter right afterwards and told you what a good guy I was. And I believe in free speech. You're like, oh, well, he's not really the censor guy, is he? It yeah, would yeah. It, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. And also the thing about ECW was, I don't know if you know this, but like in New York, that's where I was watching. A lot of people were going around like wrestling's fake, but ECW is real. Like that was really the thing. And that's what made it so interesting. And it was so much fun and so exciting. Is that where you're at now in New York? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, New York was interesting. All those markets, you know, we we actually got on those networks like, like uh, late, right? I mean, it was on the I MSG channel. Legally, was- I wouldn't say legally, but but it, we should not have been on the air. We were doing, we were using licensed music. We were, you know, that's when we lost uh, or almost almost lost the pay per view because of, and it was based out in New York. People complained or something happened it was the mass transit incident but oh, it yeah. got news and then we were potentially losing what would have eventually become barely legal i think we got taken off the air in new york too based on there was well i remember it was on very late at night it was either at midnight or 2 a.m and sometimes i would have to tape it and watch it on vhs you know but it was interesting like i knew what it was with wrestling but it was always great to hear like people have that buzz about ecw like it was something different you know i wanted to ask you this stevie um the way you train now and the way you trained while you were wrestling how has that changed Hmm. it's funny you asked that because i'm about to i'm going to be 51 in october and i have the youtube channel where i discuss and review like fitness stuff but i want to do a different kind of video because there's a lot of stuff to overcome and you notice from being an athlete um, overtraining is not even a word you ever use. If anything, you undertrain in your own mind. You can never do enough. And yes, and youth is on your side. You'll you'll gain, you'll get results off of that. But when you're trying to especially wrestle for TV and do all these things, and let's be honest, you're around people that aren't necessarily natural. And I've never done any of that stuff. So in my mind, I wouldn't say, well, they're on this or that and that's why I have an advantage. I would say it's not an excuse. I need to work harder. I need to diet harder. And that brought about not very unhealthy, but long-term uh, effects, say to my adrenal adrenals, to my metabolism, to other things. When you're carb depleting each and every week for three to four days before TV, or you're doing uh, the water yeah. deprivation, you know, as they do in the UFC before weigh-in and doing all these things, just so you can have abs on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, you're doing nothing but shakes and bars just to save money on the road. There's a bunch of different things, but training was always something just to give you a little bit of background because mentally it's changed. But back then mentally training and nutrition saved me from truly actually going insane in the wrestling business because so much is out of your control. Think about it. You you can't determine if your flight's going to be on the time. You can't determine if the hotel is going to be ready. And you sure as hell can't determine when your push is going to end, when your push is going to start, how long of a match you're going to have, if they like you this month, if you're going to be featured. And then you never know how much money you're really going to make outside of your downside. 
So I took great solace in the fact that they can control these parameters around me and I can't control anything, but I can control my workouts and my diet because it's one of the, or two of the truly like pure things in life that you get 100% out of what you put into it. Yes. And that's really what, and I think that's what kept me employable for so long too, because as they tested me, I almost started to look better <laughs> because I would, I would gravitate and hold on to those things that I could control so much more and not be negative about it. Because if you get a workout and like you did, and I did this morning, it sets your whole day up to go. How'd you know? Oh, I did say that in the beginning. Good listener, Stevie. You're well, I saw listener. your kettlebell thing on your Instagram story. Ah, there you go. I did. I actually tried Simple and Sinister for the first time. I mean, I've done swings before. I haven't done a lot of Turkish get-ups. Man, the Turkish get-ups were tough, man. You only, need, you only need one. It seems. What do you think about that protocol? I like it a lot. I do, but I do also, um, with the way I'm training now, and this is this is something like when I talk about this on it. By the way, I recorded the Simple Sinister workout when I absolutely sucked at it. I'm still getting like negative comment, but that's good because I like putting the vulnerable side, the mistakes, yeah. the thing, the imperfections. Um, you find out what works for you and what doesn't. Now. Like I said earlier, I'm I'm going to talk about this in a video, but about to be 51 years old, I we always kind of go away from our imbalances and our flaws and our fitness journey and everything. I needed to dial it all the way back recently to isometrics. I'm doing a lot of isometrics now and also going back to yoga, going back to lengthening my spine each and every day, no matter if it's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. These are the two bases or the foundations of the next month leading into my birthday, because I just need to do it. I felt like I was doing too much. I'm just going to do my basic split or my three full bodies or this or that, or even mm -hmm. like to an extent working with kettlebells, my foundation, my, my, my spinal issues, tennis elbow, whatever injuries I occurred in wrestling or incurred, um, they get exposed with kettlebells. And you can get injured with it. So I like simple and sinister because it's simple. But if you're not fully prepared and you don't have the foundational strength and isometrics and engagement and mind muscle connection, you're going to get hurt doing even simple and sinister. Do you yeah. agree with that? I do. I do. You definitely need to have a foundation. And isometrics are so great. And if you've never done it before, you will see so much benefit from it. But I feel like that's almost everything in fitness, Stevie, because when you're focused to have a good workout program, you have to focus on something, right? And if you're focusing on something, you're not focusing on something else. Yeah. And here's the other part that I need to undo and then kind of like start over again. Like I said about the overtraining, I'm not really training for matches anymore. I'm not really wrestling much. If, if not, we all say that, like I'm saying it, but I haven't wrestled in like a year. So I'm basically okay. done. I didn't even, I didn't even know you wrestled a year ago. That's crazy. Yeah. I just, I focus on what I can do and this is the next chapter already, but I'm just, it's funny because I'm still in the mindset of training for a match of doing too much cardio. So I don't blow up in the ring and all these different things that when you're 50, 51 or whatever, long steady state cardio or too much cardio on anything it, it it has a different effect than when you do it at 20 or even 30 or maybe sometimes 40. So it's almost like, Andrew, I'm finding out 
all about fitness all over again. Like I'm starting all over again, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, that does sound exciting. I still train like a basketball player in a lot of ways. I guess it's something like you don't really ever have to let go, but then you want to balance it more at the same time as you get older. Yeah, but I could do uh, a million hours of cardio. I can do whatever kind of workout I do. I can do a ton of yoga or even isometrics or kettlebell training. Yeah, when I take the first bump in the ring, I'm still, you know what I mean? It's like if you get on the court and you got to pivot and you aren't doing your lateral training and you're not training for basketball, you're going to blow your knee out if you're just doing yeah. training. Right, exactly. Like, I still want to play, um, you know, up and down the court two or three times a week. And if I don't do the proper prep work, you're right. Like, it's dangerous in a lot of senses, you know? Right. The problem with wrestling is, this is the thing. We have, a, you ever hear the term bump, bump card? Mm -mm. Wrestlers have a bump card. Wrestlers are all, just like football players. They, they take so many hits in their career and then they pass that point and it's like never the same. You don't recover the same. It's wow. not. The is it an age thing? Is it a mental thing? I just, I just think it's a, with wrestling, it's more of how much impact you take over the years. And I think football is kind of the same way. That's why Brady can play because if he was getting hit as much as Cam Newton, he wouldn't be playing now. So physical yeah. basketball players, as opposed to people that, shot three pointers all the time instead of going into the paint every single yeah, play. Right. Um, but with wrestling, it's, it's one of those things like how much can your spine take? And can you, as a wrestler, if you're really thinking about it, I always thought about it. If you're really thinking about it, how far can I take it? How far, how many bumps can I take? How many matches can I work before it's just before it's too far? Because many wrestlers, they get that. And I've had a neck injury. I've had lower back injuries, all spinal, basically. And I, I feel very fortunate and blessed that every morning when I get up, I'm not really rolling out of bed and hitting the floor and having to go on a heating pad before. And I know you know basketball players like that. They got to throw heating pads and ice before they even think about getting up and going to the gym. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not anywhere near that, thank God. Yeah wrestlers seem to wrestle like in their fifties, sixties, like a lot of them just can't let it go. That's true. I mean, I don't blame them either because these wrestlers that are wrestling into the fifties and sixties are also getting a lot of money. Ah, uh, okay. With me, it's almost, it's almost a double-edged sword. It, it kind of like frustrating as I was doing it, that there's, there's people saying when I wrestled, there was a lot of potential that wasn't met that I could have been this, or I could have been that, or, my career fizzled out or any of that stuff. But I saw the writing on the wall probably well before I even went to TNA. So probably even like 2004, 2005, I realized WWE wasn't never going to do anything with me. And I didn't want an office position and I didn't want any of that. But I knew my wrestling career, my full-time career after I got released was basically over. So I was searching, my God, since 2008 or before that, for what was next. Cause I didn't want to get caught oh, wow. footed saying now I have to earn a living. So, you know, at first it was technology. I love technology because it's always changing. Uh, yeah. just, just like wrestling, you can make it in anything you want. And uh, that didn't really work out, but it gave me the foundation and the skills to be a one man show with video editing with website building with building programs. So when I finally decided, well, fitness seems to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm always going to work out as long as I can. 
uh, I'm going to put these skills and do that. So that's why, you know, it was great because it always kept me honest. And that's why probably I'm in a little bit different of a position to not wrestle in my fifties and maybe sixties because my name thought about what's next early. That's why. Well, also I didn't make, you know, some people are very kind to say I did make a big difference or had a legacy within wrestling. I I'm certainly remembered more than I even realized, which is awesome, but I'm not defined by it. And I, it's very easy for me to step uh, out of that shadow. You're not typecasted. I'm not typecasted, but then again, I can also use it as a novelty when I'm trying to get business done in the fitness business that people remember me. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm very proud, but people don't define me by my wrestling. Right. You know, what's crazy. Cause I was watching, obviously I watched a lot of fitness stuff on YouTube and you came across and it didn't even click right away. Like I'm like Stevie Richards. Okay. Wait, Stevie Richards. And then I made a connection, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool now that people watch the fitness videos and then they, wait a minute and they, they google or they see i put a right. picture right, yeah, they yeah, see yeah, this behind yeah. me and they're like because i was a big ecw watcher so it's crazy that it didn't click right away it was like so you know you aren't typecasted which is a good thing let me ask you this stevie what would what advice would you give your 20 year old self going into the wrestling business hmm that's very uh don't let terry funk uh drop the guardrail on your neck <laughs> <laughs> Learning, you've learned to say no to a certain extent. I never said no to anything. And that, that Terry Funk one was a freak accident, you know, which when I still talk to him to this day, he apologized to me, you know, so he didn't mean it through any, there was no, like, you hear all these great, not, not so great, but these salacious stories about this guy shot on this guy. Now, of course, the Sam Punk thing at the press conference is prevalent right now, but this was an absolute accident with Terry, but I would say that I, I there's many times in my career where I was afraid to say no and I should have said no. And that, that counts for also some creative stuff too, that I didn't stand up for my business. And the worst thing that would have happened is I would have just went somewhere else. And it's not like it is today. I could have went to three or four different companies, or I could have went and worked full-time in Japan or other places back then. There was plenty of work to go around. Um, I was very... I was very passive and I was very shy in a way and always scared of my own shadow and, you know, locker room and afraid to do anything wrong. So mm. I kind of, you know, but in that way, I also cared about what I did when I was out there and yeah. everybody saw hopefully that for the most part, I always tried to be as respectful to other people. And I carry that actually, if I'm ever in a convention or a locker room or anything from the time, that I was considered a veteran until now, I'm extra respectful to to especially the young people. Yeah. I don't want them to feel like uh, the feelings that I felt uh, of being uncomfortable or not thinking that they have value as a human being because that's something in wrestling that is hard to um, is hard to come by. It's a very it's a very um, conditional business, just like basketball or sports your value as a human being and also their tolerance for you as a human being is determined by how good you are. Yeah. Saying no is so important in all facets of life. I'm actually, ah, I just read the book essentialism and he talks about how saying yes, gets you to a certain point, but if you continue to do it, then you'll just spread yourself thin. I've been actually studying a lot of minimalism, essentialism, and stoicism. 
I read all those. I read all those. I read Marcus Aurelius and everybody else in Stoicism. Yeah, I definitely you follow Ryan Ryan Holiday on YouTube too, right? Definitely. Great stuff. stuff. Yeah, most definitely. Stevie, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, It was great talking wrestling with you. Great talking fitness with you. Last thing before we get out of here, what have you learned about the YouTube game, just creating content on that platform? And how does one become successful at that? Oh, I wish I had that answer else I'd be successful. <laughs> well, you're getting a following. You're getting there, Stevie. It's, I'm very, I'm very, like I said, I'm very grateful for the audience and, and the fact yeah. that I've turned um, through, I, through just being myself. See, that's the thing. Being authentic might not get you as sexy numbers. You might not show up in the algorithm, algorithm as much as you like. You may not show up in related or search results, but you have to be your authentic self because it's going to be exhausting to be fake. And it's also <clears throat> going to go back to being authentic eventually because you're going to get so tired of putting up this facade. It and leads to consistency. The being consistency real. And yes. the honesty. And like yeah. my whole thing too, I think with me, um, I embrace the goofiness and the mistakes and the vulnerability and things I get wrong uh, on the channel. And sometimes I leave those in on purpose with a little bars and tone in between to show the candidness of it. But also, um, I would say if you're going to be on YouTube, don't count on Google AdSense. Don't count on that algorithm. The way I would go would be affiliate marketing. I have a great, I have a great relationship with many different fitness and health companies that I convert affiliate sales. So I communicate with the audience, with the honest reviews and other stuff, and then convert sales using my link, using my codes. That's the way, because then I'm more, I'm in more control of it because you could, YouTube can change the algorithm tomorrow and then you're off the map. Yeah. But if you work hard to have a grassroots campaign to communicate with the audience through social media, through YouTube, even through email marketing, which I haven't taken advantage of yet and give them the information that they want, whether you have an, I've recommended companies and brands to Andrew, where somebody goes, well, is this all one trainer good or this one? And for their situation, I recommend the all-in-one trainer that I do not have an affiliate with, because that's the that because then they come back and they've done it. Oh, I didn't need yeah. an all-in-one trainer, but I saw you have an affiliate for a piece of cardio equipment, so I bought a spin bike or I bought an elliptical or I bought this because you didn't have to tell me that, and I appreciate that. That goes a long way. It might not be today, tomorrow, next month, or next year, but you know honesty is the best policy and being authentic will eventually be successfully monetized in your, in your YouTube journey. Yeah. Affiliate advertising is so great because it's a win-win for everybody. Right. And it's really not an ad. Like if you say, Hey, this, this video is sponsored by blah, 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 blah. Right. I, I do a review, whether it's on it or not. And I say, okay, well, if uh, I have an affiliate link, say for force USA, that seems the most popular stuff that comes up, you know, I do a review and at the end, I say, here's my conclusion. Here's what I think. Here's who it's for. Here, here's who it might not be for. So I'm given what I believe to be both sides of it. And also then I said, you know, if you do, do decide to purchase anything, purchase this or anything, forceusa.com forward slash Stevie. Hey, if you don't like this, if you want to use one of the other affiliate links, most times it will save you money. But each and every time you use these links and codes, it helps support the channel. And I appreciate it. And then YouTube kicks me off the algorithm. When I tell everybody, God bless you, it hates that. <laughs> oh, man. That is crazy. They told me yeah. that. They go, you got to take that out. 
Who, what, YouTube sends you a message? How does that work? They're creators. They go, they hate that. That's, that's, uh, they hate anything religious in any way. And I go, mm. so now I know to say it each and every time. I'm very spiteful too. <laughs> Stevie, where can we find you? Social media, YouTube? Well, most of the stuff is on YouTube. I release a video like every seven to 10 days just to give people advice. You have to figure out too. Sometimes it might be two times a week. Sometimes it might be once every two weeks, figure out the interval. Uh, you go to YouTube, search for Stevie Richards, or you can go right to stevierichardsfitness.com. All the recommended brands are up there. The most recent videos, we are going to populate it with more content up there. I'm thinking about doing live workouts from my garage gym once a week, because I think those will be fun and I'll be able to produce them. Uh, also Instagram at Stevie Richards. I sometimes put up stuff. I, you know, what's funny as Andrew, I've become more and more adverse to social media and not because I don't want to, uh, I like this interaction, but I just feel like social media just it, YouTube. Is it from what you're reading about it? Is that part I, of it? That's what I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also feel like, like you said, essentialism, minimalism, stoicism, all that stuff has to do with living your actual life out there and doing yeah. things out there. And I live 15 minutes from the beach. So am I going to try to think of a tweet or am I just going to go to the beach and throw the phone in the water? Oh, I leave <laughs> every day, pretty much every day. I leave the phone at home and take a walk in the park, have a, have a pretty nice park in New York city right by me. So yeah, walk through it's not totally nature, but it's somewhat nature. And I leave the phone at home. So I, I absolutely agree with you. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, that's the advice I have. Just number one, going back to that, just be yourself, be yourself. And it's not going to be easy. And, and you might have to, you'll grow as a person. So even in five years, like we're talking about, we might be different people and grow even more. So your new self, maybe your authentic self. How's that All for, right. wow. That's how's that for <laughs> fence sitting. <laughs> Stevie, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, Andrew. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Stevie for joining in. Really enjoyed that conversation. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode and check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Be on the lookout for episode 402. Combo, out.